Hi, I'm Reagan, and thanks for listening to my dad's podcast, Lasting Learning. Hi, this is Dave Schmidow, the host of the Lasting Learning Podcast. On this show, we talk to real people with real stories. We focus on the focus and discuss what matters most. Let's go. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Lasting Learning Podcast. I am so glad you're here. And today, you are going to be so glad you're here as well. Today, I have an absolutely amazing, spectacular, phenomenal, wonderful guest joining us. She is a a woman who's been pretty much all over the place. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not going to hold her roots against her too much, uh, but she's been in Ohio, and she's been in Nevada. She has been in Florida, and she's been inspiring me way up here in Michigan. She is a coach. She is an educator. She is a wife. She's a mom. She is just absolutely extraordinary. Today, we are joined by Erin Kiger. Erin, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you. Oh, no, my goodness. Thank you so much for that intro. I'm blushing. <laughs> well, it was all amazing and wonderful and true, with the exception of that Ohio piece. I, I no, was just going to gloss over that, but no, that's, I'll I mean, bring it that's out. True. That way people, if you say anything totally foolish later on, they'll know why. Um, so I, I put that in there just to give you the out. No, but, right. But Aaron, I understand. <laughs> there there might be one or two people in the world listening that don't know who you are. I don't know how that's possible, but it is possible. <laughs> Do you mind introducing yourself to our listeners? Yes, of course. Thank you. Thank you very much for this opportunity. Um, so my name is Erin Kiger. I am, uh, I want to say like 16 years in education. Currently, I'm an instructional coach in um, the Orlando area. Um, I've been, a, gosh, anything from kindergarten through fifth grade teacher. I've been a technology teacher. I've been a technology coach an instructional coach and data coordinator. Like, let me, let me have all of the job titles and just figure out how to do all of the things is really, I guess what I'm trying to do. I don't know that I was necessarily trying, but it's just kind of rolled that way. And, and I love it because I just, I love any opportunity to learn something new. Uh, give it to me and, and I'll take it and run with it really. And your job has to just constantly evolve. I mean, I can't oh, imagine yeah. what you're doing now is, well, what you're doing now is probably not even what you did a week <laughs> ago. I mean, everybody's jobs are crazy evolving right now. You're probably the most right. sought after person in the Orlando area right now, I can imagine. But um, <laughs> can you talk to us about just the evolution of your career? Um, yeah, sure. So I started off, I, um, my very first teaching job, I, I taught in a Catholic school, actually the Catholic school that I went to middle school in. And so for my friends in Las Vegas um, that, that know St. Joseph, it's currently, it's, it's closed now, but that's where I went to middle school. And that was where I started teaching. I was kindergarten and right, hold on, I got to interrupt. There are, there are churches in Las Vegas? <laughs> there, <laughs> there are churches. So there's two types of churches, right? Well, there's more than two, but like, right. When you think of Las Vegas, you think of like the drive through chapel, yeah, like yeah, yeah. little white chapel. No, no. There's like Catholic churches. There's okay. Protestant. There, there's, there's Mormon temples. There's just, there's a lot of churches in Vegas that you can't drive through. Gotcha. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. And some of them have schools attached. Wow. And that was enough. where, okay. that was my name. Uh, not the drive through. So, <laughs> yeah. So it was really funny because looking back, um, I taught kindergarten in the morning, I team taught, and then in the afternoons, I was the technology specialist, so like that's where the kids rotated through. Um, when it was coming to the end of the year, the principal said, you know, okay, what, what, are, your, what are your thoughts for next year? And I was like, I, you know, I love doing kindergarten, I don't want to do technology, I'm not comfortable with it, I don't have any experience, like I'm not techie. <laughs> and then... <clears throat> I ended up having to leave that school and I went to uh, another Catholic school um, and I became the 
that I became the techie fourth grade teacher. So what I was so afraid of and what, what, what I wasn't comfortable with, um, I turned around and embraced. And then that just kind of led to becoming the techie teacher at the public school, like when I was um, in the public school system. And then I went and I got my master's in um, educational technology. And I'm always, I was always finding myself being that teacher to be like, Ooh, you have, you have not something new. Like, let me play with it. Let me help you with it. You know, what can we, what can we figure out together? And it, was it because it was something you were truly curious about or is it because nobody else wanted it? No, it was. <laughs> okay. So this does not sound like the best, um, like this isn't the best tagline for me, but really um, I went into it because I was like, hey, we have ECSs. So they were educational computing strategists, right? And I, from the outside, it looked like a cake job. From the inside, it was not, or from the outside. So I was like, uh, I mean, I like like the smart boards and I like figuring out how to work the Elmo and everything like that. So I bet I could do that. That looks pretty easy. Oh yeah, I'll take some of those classes. And then I got into it and I just, I fell more in love with it than I had previously ever been. I became an ECS. I was like, oh, this is not a cake job, but I love it even more. And the ECS position in my district turned into the um, digital learning coach position. So I was just, I was hooked. I was, I was done. That's Check. awesome. <laughs> so, and I want to talk more about that, um, just that, that evolution, because the technology of today is much different than the technology back then. Oh, yeah. So I can imagine that the stuff that you're asked to do is completely different. But the story you just told reminded me of kind of my own story, even though I, I'm, I've never been considered to be techie. But when I was a classroom teacher looking at administration, I remember thinking, oh, that looks like that would be an easy job. <laughs> Have a nice office, drink some coffee, talk to some parents throughout the day, do the announcements, you know, shake hands, kiss babies. And then you get in and you're like, oh my God, <laughs> that's not what I thought it was. But then you fall in love with it. And I think yes. a lot of people, even, even classroom teachers when they first start off, think that's a job I could do. I can hug kids all day and teach them to read and do some math. And then they're, they live it and they say, oh my gosh, that's not what I thought. But right. then you fall in love all over again with the new identity, the new role, even though it's not what you thought you had. So I love that you brought that out, just talking technology. Yeah. Um, can, can you talk to me about that, that job a little bit though? Because I feel like as a technology coach, a technology teacher who has done this now for a decade and a half, in essence, you know, yeah. um, technology has changed a lot, but do you feel like you're teaching similar skill sets to kids today? Because even the technology that you teach them today will be irrelevant five, 10, 15 years from now. Are you teaching right. skills? Are you teaching application? What, what goes into your day and what you're planning to, to teach adults and or kids? Um, well, I mean, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy to me how a world away my first year of teaching was as compared to now, right? Because truthfully, the school that I was at they didn't have internet. They didn't want to have internet. They felt that it would be dangerous for the kids to have internet access at school. Uh, I, like I'm speechless, you know? And at that point I was like, eh, all right, you know, you, you will do it your way. That's fine, but whatever. So I literally broke out my like fat textbook from undergrad where they taught me how to do like Microsoft Word and Microsoft uh, Excel and, you know, all of that stuff. And I think I found that book when I was packing at one point and I was like, oh yeah, I don't need this anymore. Threw it away, you know, but it's like all of those skills were what the teachers wanted me to work with the kids on. Just some of those basic word processing skills, basic typing skills, nothing nothing to do with tools or connections or, or I think one teacher asked me to do like the, um, not even online, but like the CD-ROM encyclopedia research project. And I was like, okay, we can do that, you know, but it was just so different. Whereas now it's all about, okay, yes, you do need to type. Yes, you do need to know these like word processing skills and whatnot, but even more important, is the digital citizenship and building those connections outside of your your four walls and like that's what i work with 
um, our teachers. And then I try to get that message like to kind of trickle down. So, so I'm, I'm going to ask you a question and okay. I have no idea what your answer is going to be to this. So I'm kind of nervous to ask, <laughs> but I, I'm going to, and I'm okay. going to circle the wagons a little bit here before I ask it directly. So I've received some pushback at times. Well, a lot of times for a lot of things, but specifically because I, I challenge some of the stuff that's taught in schools, whether okay. it's important or not important or should be taught there or shouldn't be taught there. So let me just talk me, for example. So I've, I've now written um, four books and I type with two fingers. <laughs> um, I, I know where all the keys are, and, but I use two fingers. My index fingers just pound away on the keyboard. I don't type. I never learned how to really type with all of my fingers. Um, my own kids, so four kids from 14 down to four, um, none of them can read in cursive. And I'm sort of okay with that. I feel like it's one of those things they will learn if they want to. Um, I had my oldest son, and he's going to hate me if he ever listened to this, didn't learn how to tie his shoes till he was eight because I always just gave him Velcro. And I thought it's just not that important. He'll learn it when he needs to learn it. Okay. okay. I see all that to say, not, I'm not, nobody, you don't have to agree with all those things I just said, <laughs> but when it comes to technology, how do you determine what is the most important thing for people to learn? Knowing that even typing, for example, mm -hmm. we're in a world right now where voice to text, you can talk to Alexa and Siri or, and they, and it can word process for you to some extent. Um, you know, I've, I've challenged people about reading is actually decoding text as important as it used to be when you can have Google do text to speech for you. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. So right. I'm asking, uh, genuinely, what do you feel like is the most important thing that you should be delivering to kids? So in, in my mind, right, take technology out of this to me, one of the most important things in life is to be a good human, to be kind, right? To be understanding and to be appreciative. Now, put, that, put technology back into that. Be that person, be that human behind the screen. How do you do that? Digital citizenship. Giving kids the opportunity to to learn how to be a good friend and a good person behind a screen. At the same time as learning, you know, typing or, 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 you know, word processing or whatever, but, and then giving them the connections because they're going to go out into the world, be that as an adult or be that at the end of the school day. Um, and they're going to be making connections with other kids and so am I giving them the guidance during the day to, to make appropriate connections and be a good person? Or am I isolating them so that they're not? And then when they do, they just kind of do whatever. Like that's, I think that's usually my driving force is, is that. Yeah, good people, regardless of the circumstance, the tools, the mm -hmm. instruments, be a yeah. good person. Yes. Um, and be a person that can form those genuine, unique transparent relationships with others, which I think oftentimes when we, when people think about technology, they think of it as an inhibitor to being a real person, um, that it's, it's this divide. And I know a, a lot of teachers right now are struggling because basically the entire country is virtual and digital right now. And right. we've lost out on a lot of that face-to-face -face interaction. Um, so one of the things I'm challenging people to do all the time right now is to put yourself in front of a camera as often as you can try to make those real connections, make eye contact with somebody, have a real conversation. Right. Because you can still do that. Um, in a lot of different varieties and a lot of different ways. So do you feel like technology gets in the way of relationships? Does it enhance them? Um, thinking about what your goal is for kids, how does technology enhance that and, and make that uh, more of a reality? Um, so I think it's, it, I think it's a double-edged sword, truthfully. Um, you can embrace it and you can utilize it so that it does enhance relationships. You know, um, I, uh, through Facebook and Twitter, I'm friends with people from high school and people that I never would have imagined that I would have been able to meet, uh, you for instance, right? Like 
never would have met you if I had stayed in Las Vegas and not like jumped on some of that social media. So it is what you make of it, right? That being said, there are some people out there who are not using it for like quality good. They're just, they're creepy people out there, right? And at this point in time, I want to protect our kids from that. So is it possible that we're not utilizing it to the, to the max for a protection? Yes. Can we go too far? Yes. You know, so it, it, as an adult, it is what you make of it. As a child, it is what the adults guide it to be, I guess. No, I get it completely. So I want to think about, think about the world that we're living in now. So but you got, you've got a little one, mm-hmm. um, two years old, almost <laughs> two. Um, so fast forward. So you've been in education now 16 years. Mm-hmm. 16 years from now, your little one is going to be graduating high school. I mean, that's, that's crazy thought. And you think about how quickly your career has gone by. Um, and you, you think about how much school in the world has evolved in the past decade and a half. What do you want to, what do you want to see in schools when you're, when your little one is in high school, getting ready to leave school? Um, what do you want schools to be? Do you, do you want them to be just like they are today? Do you want something different? I want them to be kind of like what they are today. I think we're heading in the right direction with technology and um, some of the more creative schools of thought in as far as like standards-based grading and um, student voice and student choice. And, you know, some of those, some of those big like buzzwords, you know, like they're buzzwords for a reason. There are good things about them. Um, I want that. Like, I want my son to be able to express his thoughts, express his opinions, verbalize how he understands, and then go out and be a, like a good person and make a difference in the world. And I know he's not going to be able to do that just with me and his dad. Like, he needs teachers. He needs other driving adults in his path to be able to encourage him and reach him in a way that, that the two of us aren't the only ones that we can do that, you know, whether it's teachers or friends or grandparents or whatever, but I want him to step out of high school and say like, this is how I feel. This is what I think, but I'm open to listening and I'm open to learning and I'm open to trying. Like, that's what I want. And I want that environment to be supportive in a, in a high school classroom. And, you know, obviously trickle down. Like I want that in middle school and elementary school, that sort of thing. It doesn't uh, have to be technology. Yeah. It just has to be life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I, I appreciate hearing that from, from another educator to say, I can't do this alone as a parent. You know, I, mm-hmm. I've, I've heard from some educators who have said, it's not my job to parent. And I understand that, that mindset I've heard from, from um, parents, it's not my job to teach. And I understand that to some context. The world we're living in right now where all those lines are so fuzzy and crossed and parents right. are teachers and teachers are parents and all that, it, it's, it's different right now. And I think we're all starting to appreciate each other a whole lot more oh, yeah. um, and realizing how much we truly have to lean in on each other. You know, I am a firm believer that throughout the course of American history, some of the greatest minds became the greatest minds because of the education they received through the apprenticeship model going out and following the lead of others more so than sitting in a classroom and just getting the degree and certificate. Um, it's right. having a mentor, having somebody that they could learn from, whether it's Thomas Edison or um, even our founding fathers or Henry Ford, they, they had that apprenticeship model where they said, I want to be like that person. Um, and they followed their lead. You know, and I, I feel like that's kind of what you described. You need some teachers to step up and be those mentors, be those guides, be those people that show what it's like to be a good person. Right. And you want somebody, to, you want school to be this big apprenticeship for life. I mean, you didn't mention, <laughs> yeah. I want school to teach this content. And you didn't just say reading, writing, math, science. You said, I want schools to help me raise my son, basically, to be a good person. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> and I love that. Absolutely love that. I just, you know, I, and okay. So an elementary, my background is elementary and that is very, very different than a high school education, right? In elementary school, we are teaching kids to read. 
we are teaching that appreciation of learning. Like they come to us, most kids come to us wanting to learn, loving the idea of school. <clears throat> and so I want him to learn the ABCs and the, the one, two, threes, and like all of that structured foundation, right? But then by high school, he does not have to have, I remember I had to take a test in AP government that was all of the states and all of the capitals and it was timed. And I mean, I did it. I could not tell you what they are now, you know? And so, but the nice thing is, is when he is a junior in high school, he can Google that. If he doesn't know it, it doesn't matter. Like, what is the priority? The priority is being a good person. I love the, the four C's, right? Creativity, collaboration. I can't even remember them all, but I, I love those so much. And like, that's what I want, right? Not hard facts that he has to memorize. Absolutely. It's the, it's the skills and the aptitudes more than it is the content regurgitation, for sure, yes. for sure. So when you are thinking about schools and your role and your niche, your voice, the thing mm. that you're trying to, to drive and you want people to, to know and remember about you and your mission and your calling, what is it? So um, if, if you were to have like a book or something like that, that you were <laughs> going to put out into the world, um, what would it be about? Well, it's really funny because the book that I do have coming out into the world. What? You do? What? Oh my goodness. <laughs> right. So it was, it, I mean, it is, it's about the struggle to find any sort of balance in work life. Like there is no balance, right? It's just, it doesn't exist and that's okay. But um, I, I kind of came up with the idea at a point in my life when I was just, I, I, I almost want to say I was lost. And it was because I was, I was playing the comparison game and I was overwhelmed. Now, that being said, that's not... Like if I could sit down and, and, and write another book, like I don't think that that's, my, that that's my niche necessarily, but I think it's an important umbrella for like all educators, right? So that I think is, is, is good. I think it's great. I, I'm, so my book, right? It's, it's my book in that it was my idea and I pitched it to Edumatch. It is not my book in that I have four stories out of, 30 something, 40, it is a book of teachers. It is not mine, right? It is, how are you doing this? Give me a specific story. Give me advice so that we can put this into the world and other teachers, other educators can connect to this and never feel like they're alone, right? Yeah. So I, I want to try to connect the dots just in that little story that you just told there. And yeah. we'll come back to the final product of the book. But <laughs> There's, there's some pieces of irony that I, I want to capitalize on because it's, it's super fascinating to me. So you talked earlier about how you think one of the roles of school is to help prepare kids for life. Mm -hmm. You have a book that talks about the need, I don't want to say to have separation, but to have balance between life and work. Your yes. work is school, um, which is, it's, it's an interesting little dichotomy there. And yet, I mean, you, you can attest to this. When you write a book, it is all-encompassing. You're not necessarily always at your keyboard. You're not always writing, but it is always on your mind. I mean, you're yes. always thinking about the book, the project, the, every little component of it. And I, I feel like there's some irony in writing a book about balance when I can almost guarantee there was no balance at all when you were writing the book. Is that fair? Yeah. Yes. Yes. In fact, I was on... Um... I was talking with the guys from Beer EDU and they were like, Oh, how did you come up with the idea? Like when, and I basically said like, I had moved across the country and I was looking back at all of my friends and all of the like edgy heroes and doing like seeing all these great things that they were doing. And I was feeling very like I was floundering, like I was failing because my path that I had planned for me all of a sudden got scrubbed. And here I am in this new school struggling. 
And so then the joke became, so what do I do? I add more to my plate and I, I write a book. And so, yes, that's pretty much what happened, but I, I feel like it became um, therapeutic almost being able to like, so I got to write some of my stories, but even more than that, I was able to read everybody else's struggles and that kind of, instead of seeing like all of the, the Insta fabulous posts, I was able to see how other people were struggling and fighting and coming through. And then that inspired me. So, so like, that's really what I needed. It's amazing. It's powerful that in the midst of this down point, in the midst of the struggle is when you mm -hmm. said, now I've got the idea to write. But I think some people go is they say, I am now an expert in something. I have the, the idea instead of an idea. I have the idea and I'm going to put it in print and I'm going to share it with the world. And with you, it was almost this moment of vulnerability yeah. where you used it to try to connect with others. And I mean, you and I have been connecting. I, the, the growth I've seen from you in the past oh, six months is like, <laughs> it's, it's inspiring. It is Thank absolutely you. inspiring. Like connecting with you on, on Voxer and, and Twitter. I mean, it, it's truly, it's powerful. Your voice has just completely emerged. And it is, it is full of wisdom and truth and humility. And I, I wonder, is, is that something that you've always had? Or has that grown through this process? I, I, I don't think that it's something that I've always had. Like, I, I honestly, I've always been like a people pleaser. Um, but learning how to, I think, <clears throat> going from in the classroom to a coaching role, I have had to really hone and really work hard at being very purposeful and being very um, not, not blunt, you know, and I think that that has, um, like, I just, I kind of keep working at that. You know, and I, I have amazing, I have amazing role models as, you know, my parents and my husband's parents, and I have some of the best, like, childhood friends who are everything that I want to be as far as humility and servant leaders and supportive. And so I really take a cue from a lot of those people. So I, I don't want to ask this, so I'll kind of say it in a roundabout kind of way. And if you want to respond, you can. You feel free. I got nothing to hide. Well, we'll, we'll see about that. So <laughs> wait till you see where I'm going. Okay. So in my, my own career, I'll make it about me so that it's not about you right now. In my own career, because you, you said something in there that was interesting. You, you talked about not being blunt. In my own career, I've been known to poke the bear. I have been known to stir the pot a little bit, um, ask the questions that I feel like need to be asked, but n not everybody is ready for those questions to be asked. Um, oftentimes, um, because I say I work for the people below me, meaning the kids or others, the people above me can get upset or offended that I'm not necessarily just doing things their way. Um, I don't want to say I'm, I'm a disruptor, but I think other people would say I'm a disruptor. Gotcha. So I say all that to say, so I'm in my 21st year of education and I've worked in seven different schools in two states in five different districts. Um, because at, at, you know, sometimes when you stay in one place for too long, um, it's, it, things might stagnate or you mm -hmm. start to, to lose that, that voice. It's almost like a, a coach uh, in the NBA or the NFL. Uh, like Bill Belichick is the coach of the Patriots. He's been there forever, winning Super Bowls. And people are now asking, should he go? Has he lost his voice in the locker room? Now on the outside, you look at it and say, what are you talking about? But other people would say, well, maybe people just are just starting to tune it out now because he's that blunt guy, the brash guy, the, the honest guy that always just tells you the truth and people just don't want to hear it anymore. Okay. So I put all that out there to say, you say that you have softened yourself and you're not always that blunt person anymore. Right. Um, do you feel it's hard to be truthful and open and honest, or are you still able to do that, but now you're just trying to figure out a different way to do it or say it? <clears throat> Did I set it up enough? I don't know. Yep. Yep. Nope. Nope. Okay. Totally perfect. Perfect. Um, so I think it depends. 
right? Because truthfully, if, if there's something that is, I really disagree with, um, I'm, and this is, this has always been as since a child, I'm incredibly non-confrontational. So I never want somebody to lash out at me. I don't want somebody to have their feelings hurt by me. And that's just, that's just who I am. So when I was blunt, that was obviously never my intention, not necessarily realizing what was happening. I figured it out over the years. So I think if I really disagree with something, I like to frame it as more of a reflective question. Like, okay, that's, you know, that's interesting. Um, I can see where you're coming from. What do you think about A, B, and C as well? Like, let's have a conversation about this, right? Um, if it's something that I am neither here nor there about, uh, then I, I don't mind having a conversation and I don't mind saying like, okay, well, this is what, like, this is what I would do. If you like that approach, then I'm happy to talk through it with you. If you feel like somebody else has a better approach, then I'm all for that, you know, because I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything. Um, so it just, it really kind of depends, I think, on the situation. Um, but I never, I never want to come across as knowing it all. And I never want to come across as, as um, especially in my role as an instructional coach, I don't want to come across as like telling somebody you have to, you know, I want them to come to that. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think, so one of the things that I, I have learned is that it's not always being blunt. It's not always being truthful. It's, those aren't, that's not the issue. It's when you, when other people perceive that you have to be blunt or you have to fight every single fight all the time, that becomes yeah. the issue. You know, yeah. I, and I learned that from experience. I, I'm thinking as you're telling your story, I'm thinking back good 10 years ago or so when I was a, a principal and um, decided that I was, my school needed to be involved in standards-based grading. So I decided that we were going to go all out because it's best for kids. And you know, when we use say it's best for kids, we do it no matter what, how what impact it has on everybody else. But I said, we we're going to do it. So that meant we we're going to standards-based grading. And if we were standards-based grading, that meant that uh, citizenship wasn't going to be a part of that anymore. It meant that we weren't going to have the honor roll anymore. It meant that we couldn't have tracked classes and honors classes anymore because that was connected to GPAs. Oh, we're not going to have GPAs. And it, I mean, it just trickled down. And I ended up fighting every single battle so that I ended up losing every single battle because I wasn't focused and I had to double back in the second year we had to say okay what is the priority what is our ultimate goal what's our ultimate aim and let's tackle that and then we'll tackle the next thing and then we'll tackle but when you start fighting everything all the time people see yeah. you as simply the fighter and you're coming out guns ablazing <laughs> all the time right and you lose your voice so I think that goes back to that whole work-life balance thing too probably is that you have to understand what is your priority you mm -hmm. have to understand what is needed right now in this moment at this time, whether right. it's work. And if it's at work, what work can you leave at work? And if not, what needs to come home with you? Because it's a priority. Um, when it's home, how do you stay focused on home? And how much home bleeds over to work? Because it's a priority. Right. Is that accurate? Or I mean, yes. you're the expert on this. <laughs> I am not, I'm not even close to an expert on, on that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I very much 100% believe there is no such thing as balance. It's about choosing priorities, right? Because if yeah. you look at this and I said this in another podcast, if you, you know, when I brought my son home and I, if I wanted to give equal parts of balance, which is, I mean, that's what balance is equal parts of attention to my son, my husband, my job, and my parents, because at the time we lived in the same city my son who needed me for literally everything would get nothing, right? It's about priority. What is the priority? Everybody in the family and the job knew that he was the priority. And now what's the priority? At this point, it's keeping the family, my husband, myself, my son, safe and healthy, right? It's maintaining the a professionalism despite the current, flexible situation. Oh, that's it. Absolutely. It's being flexible. <clears throat> and again, priorities. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you are familiar with Cass Nelson or if the listeners know who Cass Nelson is. Cass Nelson is this amazing woman from, from Oklahoma. Um, she's a school principal, but she's married to the superintendent, but it's a super small town. 
So not only is she the school principal, but she is the cheer coach. She's a bus driver. She's out there shoveling snow. She does all the things. And she's got a running streak going where she's run like 2,000 days in a row. Um, oh, my gosh. Mom, she, she does all the things. And I asked her on one of these podcasts, I said, how in the world do you find balance? And she gave me the same answer that you just did. I don't have any balance. I simply make choices <laughs> as to what's most important right now. And it's priorities. And that, I mean, I, I, I took so much from that. And hearing you say the same thing, I'm just like, huh, I have to, one of these days it's going to sink in and I'm going to start living it. Because uh, six months ago, I had a mullet. I mean, my hair was down. No. Um, and now I got nothing because my hair is just, I rip it out with all the stress trying to do all the things for all the people. But right. I can't. Yeah. Um, I, I tell myself I can't, but I still try. Uh, how, 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 give me the secret sauce. How do I convince myself Ooh. just to not? I'm, I'm, I am not the person to ask. <laughs> my husband, no, seriously, my husband, he will... So right now with everything going on in the world, I don't have time. Like I don't have time. I'm working more hours than I ever did, even as a classroom teacher, plus trying to do it with a two-year-old at the same time. Mm. I'm very, very fortunate that I work with teachers and admin who are kid-friendly. We work in a school. So they understand a tantrum in the background. I'm like, (laughs) pause, please. You know, but uh, my, normally I'm working on the book or I've got my, like I've got a podcast with two other educators who are in Las Vegas. So we're doing that. I'm doing work stuff. I'm always trying to learn. I'm on Twitter. I'm trying to do Twitter chats. I'm trying to keep in touch with all of my friends, you know, like, you know, and gosh, you know, try to find time with my husband too. Um, and he, so he sees how stressed out I get. And he's like, you have to stop. Like you have to. And I'm like, I can't, I can't. Like, what do I get rid of? I can't, I can't get rid of anything. And uh, I, I, and you mentioned your husband. I'm going to add this too. Um, I think it's also important that, that we don't just prioritize the what, but it's the who. Yes. You know, I think it, I, what I'm hearing from you is, there's a lot of this guilt that goes on that goes on in my mind too, when all these people are depending on you. So you feel like you have to serve all of these people because you don't prioritize the people. Cause we, I mean, we love everybody. We want everybody to, be, to find success, yes. but there's always that opportunity cost as well. And often it's those people that are closest to us that lose out because we're out trying to serve everybody else. So it's right. not always just deciding what is most important, but remembering who's most important. Yes. You know, I mean, I think, Oops, sorry. Go no, ahead. I was just gonna say, I mean, think for you, <clears throat> you you've got a, a little guy that you, you had to put to bed tonight and that was priority, right? We weren't, we yeah. weren't going to record this in the middle of bedtime because that was the priority. And I'd love right. to say, what? This podcast is huge. Do you know what opportunity you're giving up? And you're like, <laughs> whatever. I'm not even gonna go there. I gotta, I gotta put my little guy to bed. That's a priority. But yeah. do we have, do we feel like we have that luxury or that freedom in our day jobs to say no to people because other people are closer to us, matter more to us, and deserve more of us. I don't know. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah. That's really sure. hard. I like, uh, one of my favorite things is, um, and I actually sent this in an email today. I had a teacher ask, what are some creative ways I can use Flipgrid? Right? I said, this is a third grade teacher. I said, first, talk to this first grade teacher because she uses Flipgrid all the time. Second, here are some articles. I've pulled out some of my favorite ideas, but the idea is I want to build that capacity so that she knows that she can talk to her about Flipgrid. And then she knows she can talk to her about Think Central and she knows she can talk to him about whatever. So then if there's, if there's something bigger, they can come to me. But if it's just like a quick question or, Hey, let's brainstorm, they can, they can talk to each other. And so then that makes prioritizing for me a little bit easier. Um, and I think that's what we do on Twitter and on Voxer is we're, we're building those own, those own connections so that we can reach out to say, uh, look, I, I could sit there for hours on, on Google researching, or I could just reach out to the, the, the experts, right. you know? And, and I'll be honest with you. That's one of the reasons I started this podcast is because I figured if farmers only can make all those connections, I can definitely do it, do it as well. And I do this because I want to make connections with people. And I know that when other people listen to this, they're like, oh, there's somebody else out there. It, it's, it, people don't have to contact me. They're, they can hear all the people that are on this podcast and reach out to them and make those connections. And yes. I think that's a way that you find priorities too, is you find ex- the expertise and the skill sets in others. And then yes. you make those connections for others. 
Um, yes. And then it frees you up. So the burden's not all on, all on you. Right. So that. then you can make time for your, your spouse. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So I, I got to ask you for you. Yeah. So podcast, book, day job, wife, mom, all the things, all the things. <laughs> Not even close, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you're doing all the things really well, right? Do you feel that way? I don't. I don't feel like I'm, I don't. Um, I feel like, <clears throat> I feel like there's always something to learn mm. and there's always people doing it better. And so that goes back to the comparison game. Right. Which is so, hard when you're, when you are out there constantly trying to make connections yes. and yet the connections you feel like are always at that next level. I mean, right. Oh, right. Yeah. Yes. So I, you know, and I, do, I never, like, I'm not, I'm not judging. Like I'm not saying like, that's not real or that's like not good enough or whatever, but I'm just like, okay, how do I get to that point? Like I'm always striving for, and I, I am ambitious by nature. I always want to know how do I, how do I get better? How do I do this better? How do I do more better? Um, and you actually, so I was still am registered to go to a conference in New Jersey, the first of June. It's tomorrow's teachers today. My, my, my podcast co-host and friend, Joelle, she recommended it to me. Um, I was going to go. The keynote speaker was Lavana Roth, mm -hmm. right? And I saw a post where you and she were together. You talked about um, a webinar that she was doing. I jumped on. I watched it. I connected with her. It was fantastic. One of the things that she says is she talks about her like non-negotiables yep. and her partial negotiables, right? And so I with all of this normal stuff basically came crashing down and I basically had to say, no, like I can't, I can't be on Twitter. I, I'm, I'm very rarely on Voxer. I'm very rarely on Facebook um, with the exception of like, that's how I talk to my mom. Um, it's work and it's my family. I said, I am going to carve out this time Friday nights at home with my husband. Like I'm, I'm going to work until like 6.37 and then I'm going to put it away. I put my phone away, which never happens. It's like sewn to my hand. He is a non-negotiable. Mm. He might become a partial negotiable if there's some like important webinar for work or something like that, but he will always have a night with me now. I don't care what we do, play games, watch movies, whatever. Yeah. But he gets that. He has to get that. I, I, I love that for so many ways. And, and, I, and I'll throw this challenge out because um, you mentioned Lavana Roth. Uh, mm -hmm. People are, if you're listening, you don't know Lavana, look up Lavana. She is, oh, she's amazing. She is truly one of the most incredible people on the planet. Love me some Lavana Roth. Um, <laughs> so if, if you were to look at Lavana's Instagram or her Twitter feed or her Facebook feed, you'll notice a common thread. And the common thread is she's outside with her family. She's taking pictures on the streets of Tampa. Um, she's showing sunrises and sunsets, coffee. She's showing life because yeah. she says this is what's important. One of my personal idols, Rick Warmly, shows pictures of all the, the places he travels and the, the people he meets because, and he knows that that's what is important. Dave Burgess, he's taking pictures of himself out on a run or the beaches of San Diego. Adam Welcome is taking pictures of himself on our, all these people are enjoying life and yes. that's how they're filling their, their social media because that's how they are filling their life. They, they are understand what it's about and that's why they're finding success. Whereas I know I, I struggle with that. I, I struggle playing that comparison game a ton. I, I know a lot of people do. Yeah. Um, but I think that there's something we can take from those people that we look at and say, wow, that person's my hero. I want to be like them. If we want to be like them, we need to start enjoying life and mm -hmm. prioritizing the things that matter because that's what they do. And right. that's how they find success and happiness. So I completely um, agree. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. So good. So what, what is next for you? Um, that pause is good. <laughs> that, that's a good sign. Um, so really truthfully, I'm, I'm excited for the book. Um, with every, with 
with the COVID-19 and everything like that, I don't know when it's going to be published. I don't know if it's going to be pushed back at all. And right. I'm not, I'm not in any rush. Um, I, I need, I need Edgematch. I need Sarah. I need uh, Melody. I need like the whole Mandy. I need them to, to be present for their families. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm okay to wait for as long as it needs to, it, it will get published and it will be in the hands of educators who need it of that. I'm certain. And that's all, that was my goal. Um, I, <clears throat> before all of the lockdown, I signed up actually to take Lavana's class, um, for educational consulting. So I'm, I'm working hard at just trying to keep up with that. And, and she's very, very, um, you know, she's full of grace. She's full of understanding. So I, you know, I'm currently behind, but that's okay because that's life right now. Right. Um, so I think that that's, that's kind of my next steps is I have to, I have to accept that I will never be like a Matt Miller or a Casey Bell, you know, and, and that's okay, but I don't have to do that. Well, just for the record, Casey and Matt will never be an Aaron Kiger. So there's that. <laughs> Well, well, thanks. That's really sweet of you. But, you know, like I, I just, I think that was kind of what I want. Like I always, my goal is always, always to inspire and support. Like those are the two words that I always find myself coming back to is inspire and support. And those are just, just a couple of names that inspire and support me. And so I felt like in order to do that, on a larger scale than just my school that first I went and I got a degree in leadership and then I was like, okay, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I need to do this. And then I joined Lavana's class and it was like, no, I don't. I don't have to be, I don't have to be that, but I can still, if I go try that consultant route, then maybe I can inspire and support more than just in my building you know, and who knows, who knows how like far it'll be, but if I can just, just a few people, then I, I think I'll be, I think I'll be golden. And so for the people that are listening right now and Lavana, you owe me, cause this is going to be like a free promo for you. But <laughs> the, the course that we're describing is basically Lavana has this course that <clears throat> talks about starting off as a consultant and how to yes. get into the consultancy. And she taught, she walks you through all the mistakes that she's made and yes. um, how to find success in it. And one of the things that she really focuses in on is identifying the thing that, yes. that you can hang your hat on, not to be the jack of all trades, but to say, right. when I think of this need, this is who I contact. Have you gotten yourself to the place where you say, this is your niche? Yeah. So um, I just finished up, I just finished up that module. And, you know, working on like descriptions and everything like that. And so because I fell in love so early with ed tech, and that's just kind of been my vein, my stream, whatever, um, that is still where I wanted to, to go. Um, but my, like, you know, narrow it down a little bit more. I really find that what I want to do is I want to focus on, I think ed tech is important. I think it should be a priority because of where the world is going. Not all teachers, not all administrators, not all central office personnel think it is a priority. They put other things above that. Well, they but do they today. Still, <laughs> they, they, yeah, right? right? But they, um, but they still put a priority on ed tech. And yep. so as teachers, how do you juggle all those priorities? So my, my big focus is to come in and say, okay, so this is not your main priority and that's okay. But how can we start you off so that you are at least comfortable? What's like, what's, what's some of those first three steps that we can take yeah. so that you are using it so that it's impacting your students so that it's making learning just a, a whole different scope. These yeah. kids are able to do and learn things that they, that you couldn't do at their age. Yeah. Because so of good. Technology. You know, I, I'm reading right now, currently the, the book call sign chaos uh, by general Jim Mattis. And uh, one of the things he says in there is that one of the reasons the U S military is so phenomenal is because they're constantly preparing for unknown battles against an unknown enemy. And I, and there's a part of me that thinks, wow, that's kind of the role of education too. 
Our job is to prepare our kids for, the, for this. We talk about the unknown future, but to equip them with the skills, the mindsets, the aptitudes that they can go, they're prepared for the unknown battles. In the world of ed tech, I feel like your role for the last 16 years has been preparing teachers for the world we're in today. That we, none of us saw this coming, but because you've planted seeds and skill sets amongst teachers and students, it's yeah. something we're gonna be able to survive. We're gonna get through. And then hopefully this will translate into the, the upcoming years where we're gonna look back and say, man, all the stuff we learned that year prepared us for this future. And at least that's my hope and that's my goal. Uh, so I, I appreciate people like you that bring back to the, the awareness, the stuff that matters, the stuff that we can build on to make things even better. So I, thank you. Thank you so much for just being you. <laughs> thank you. It's, it's, it's so, it feels good to talk about it, you know, and to, and, and to talk with other educators like yourself who are just, you know, we may not share like a, a passion for ed tech, but the reality is, is that passion for education is, is deep. It's deep rooted. Right. And yeah. we understand and hear all of the different perspectives and know, like, if we didn't all work together, then we would not be as nearly as successful as we could be. So true. So thank you. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Sorry. And we've covered a lot. <laughs> we've gone from Ohio to Vegas to Florida and back a few times. Um, we've talked priorities and passions and books and podcasts and Levana Roth. I mean, we've covered it all here. Um, <laughs> but with all that, I always ask all my guests, um, if, if they had to think of one nugget, one truth that they wanted to leave the, the listeners with, we call it the mic drop moment, that thing that is going to cause them if they were actually driving to work to pull over. But if they're simply mowing the lawn or cleaning the house, listening to this podcast, I think that they're going to want to turn off the vacuum for and pause and resonate on. What is that thing you want to leave people with? I, I think, you know, before the, before the podcast started, you know, you just kind of gave me a little bit of an overview and, and I know that you're going to ask this. And so in my head, my brain is racing like, oh, I'm going to say this. Oh no, I'm going to say this. Like, oh, I've got this. <laughs> uh, but I think it all goes back to kind of what I said in the beginning, like just being a human, being a good person, being kind, because none of it matters if you are if you are reaching milestones, if you are gaining um, followers, if you are doing if you are doing life and you are smashing people on the way, then it doesn't matter. Just be a good person and be kind. That's it. That's that's it. You know, I'm not a fan of superhero movies, but one thing I know is that in every superhero movie, the smartest person in the movie is also the villain. So it's not always about how smart you are. It's about how kind you can be. Yes, very much. Awesome. I agree. Well, Aaron, I don't want are... to be a villain. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, then you're going to have to go change that Ohio State shirt, number one. So get oh. rid of that. And... <laughs> no, no. I'm sorry. Michigan says no. Okay. Well, we're going to agree to disagree on this one. But I other than that... <laughs> I, I appreciate you giving up your time tonight. I know it's super valuable. A lot of other people uh, that you could have been or should have been talking to, working with, but the fact that you gave up time to talk to me and share your wisdom with so many others, I, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate your story. I appreciate who you are and all that you're giving to us. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I'm, like I said before, I was honored and shocked when you um, – when you invited me on, because I just I have so much respect for you. So thank you. Everything you do. Thank you.